ko te amorangi ki mua, ko te hāpai o ki muri. Stand to the forefront, but never forget your forebears. E ngā iwi, e ngā mana, nau mai haramai ki te hōtaka nei o Tiahika. Koe nei hoki ngā rā o te aranga. Ko Justine Murray tēnei. Ko Maraia Rakaraku tēnei. Welcome to Te Ahika. And as Justine mentioned, it's Easter weekend. O ngā rā whakata o te aranga. And that time again e te iwi for your weekly dose of Kaupapa Māori brought to you by Radio New Zealand National. Ai rā, whether you're spending time with the whānau or pegging out on chocolate. Kia pai ai te haere o Koutou Haraday. Hope you're all enjoying your long holiday. As we head into colder months and people rug up, perhaps getting flu vaccinations, we tend to forget just what a killer influenza was back in the early 1900s. And the devastating effects it had on small rural communities, as Sue Eddington of Waihau Park told you, Amariah. A lot of people spoke of the devastation of the flu that went through and how people were dying and the next house would just notice that they hadn't seen an adult outside but children and then get down there and find the adults were dead inside and so someone else will take the children in. Sue joins us with her cousins Maku and Pauline Davis as they reminisce about their childhoods and take me on a tour of their pa at Waihau, South Timaru. Speaking of a place that's feeling those cold temperatures is Christchurch, which is where Larry Thompson lives. Larry is of Māori Chinese descent and his family featured in Manying Ip's book being Chinese Māori Mixed Identities. Which documents the personal stories of families of mixed Māori and Chinese whakapapa. He talks to Justine about how he views both his Māori tanga and Chinese heritage. Even though they're different, they're actually very similar, I've found. Certainly in the Māori and the Chinese, the philosophies are, are very, very similar in terms of uh, the solidarity, the, the family links. Uh, Chinese are very family orientated as well, and and, uh, and so I guess I've re- been quite proud of both cultures, you know. And, and mum and dad always made sure that we just didn't stay in, in any one. Eh? There was always, you know, going to each culture. That's coming up. That haka, te puru, is one that's easily identifiable with tūhoe iwi, and it's been thundered off the hills in Ruatuki Valley over the past few days at the Hui Ahure a tūhoe, the tūhoe festival. Every second Easter, tūhoe iwi gather to celebrate their tūhoe tanga, which happens through sports, nato tohe tohe, debates and kapahaka, all with the purpose of strengthening te reo Māori and whanaungatanga. And it's also a time to bring it, because this is a competition aim with trophies and bragging rights. Yep, and the competition is fierce. The idea is that there is something for everyone of all ages. Though you know, Justine, some of my uncles should be retiring from the rugby field. 
And just like past festivals, tutors of the kapahaka groups are often inspired to compose their songs by drawing on topical issues affecting Māori maraia. In 2007, it was the passing of the Māori queen, Te Ariki Nui Dame Te Aparangi Kahu. And political hot potatoes like the fiscal envelope in 1999. And the Treaty of Waitangi and the Māori relationship with the Crown is always good fodder. And this year, the hot topic has been the police raids of 2007. When members of the Armed Defenders Squad entered the Eastern Bay of Plenty Town in the early hours of October the 15th, 2007 and started arresting people suspected of terrorist activities. But let's not forget, it's also just a great time for Tuhoe Iwi to catch up with their whanau and celebrate their Tuhoe Tanga. It is, and it does feel overwhelming sometimes when you think, I'm related to everyone here. Now, Mariah, the festival has been going for the past 39 years or so. How did it start? Well, John Dangiho, he first mooted the idea in the 70s, suggesting it was a way to ensure Tuhoi always knew where they came from, especially as that time many Māori, not just Tuhoi, were flocking to settle in the cities. And was it also the understanding that the festival is held within the iwi boundaries? That's the idea, just though the very first Ahure was held in Rotorua. You've got to remember, eh, some of the more isolated Tuhoi communities don't have ready access to plumbing or electricity, which makes hosting a festival challenging, especially when you take into account the freezing cold weather, which is how I remember it being in Rotahuna in 1993 when they hosted the Ahure for the very first time. Anei te koriroa hemana waka me a te toka te mara. Whaenoko tūhoe anō hoki heuri nō nā pōtiki me te hapū oneone, te tangata whenua o kunei. I roto i nā mahi toa me te pakari haere a tūhoe te rāwa, kā rāke ia hai tipuna ārahi i tanaiwi mai te kino ki te pai. He rangatira pakari wānui nā whakanekeneke a tanaiwi, a i mauai i tēnei wā tanainua mō nā hapū mai te rohe pōtai. Ka puta mai ko te iwi o tūhoe, tūhoe mau mau kai, Mau mau taonga, mau mau tangata ki te pōa.
Whainui Nā reira ko e tahi pita pita kōrero hai tuku atu māku kia koe i rongo hia i roto i nā whai kōrero a nā hunga kapahaka i whaiake. Alā ko e tahi walātau whakatau ki e putāna e pēnei ana. Ko te whenua he taonga tua tēnā, he taonga wairua hau i te whenua. He nui ake te whakawhetai i te karakia. Ko tahi te kotahi atu hoe kākata i te pōho. Ko te manu e kaena i te miro nōna te nahere, Ko te manu e kaiana i te mātaurana nōna te ao. Ko waira te tamaiti tika haikai i te kai, haifanga i te iwi, te wā e tika ana. Rua tāhuna paku kore, rua tāhuna kākahu mauku. Ko te kai a te rangatira he kōrero, engari kia tūpato, ko i pauau ia koe i te kōrero. Ko i nei rau e tahi o nā kōrero i rongo hea e te iwi, nā reira kia whakarona ke tātau i nā kōrero a te kai hautū a nā mahi kapahaka i runga i te atamira, Ara ia te toka tēmara, nā nei whakamārama mai i tīmata mai te ahutana atu o te hui ahurei a tūhoe ki rua tāhuna i hea. Wainau, kia ora, kia ora kai te tuakana. Me tīmata ake pia nā whakamārama mai te ahurei tuatahi i tūhiro tō rua tāhuna i te tau iwa te kau mātoru. Me hoki rānō nā whakamārama ki reia. I te tōna mai o te tāona nei, o te koroa nei o tamarau, I roto o te mārua rua tāhuna mai i rua toki. Mōhiona tātou ko a tātou ahurei tūhe mai i rua toki mai anō. I roto i nā tau ko mahuake. I te mūno te wāka tirohia te rāpea i atpēn paitou i te whakauki mai i roto o te kōhana o nāin tūhoe. Enari, ko nā hua tana i tīmata ke mai te te tau ki te kau mārima, I tōia i hiahiai nā koroua o kunei ki a whakahokia mai te koroura ki kunei whakātua i ai. Ai roto i nā tirotiro o te rāwā, kā rei tutu ki te kaupapa i te rāwā. Kā tahi ka whakāro nā koroua o rua tāhuna kāwhe, pukuriri. Ka tahi pukuriri ka whakatakotoi wā rātau kōrero pēnei nā, koi noho tēnei mea ka whakahokia mai ki rua tāhuna. Haere ake ne. Engari, ka matemate nga koroa i mua atu i tērā ko tā rātau koroa i pēahua pēnei akene hai muri a mātau a mahia te mai. O tia ka matemate nga koroa ra ka whakaaro a te huna tamariki, tai tamariki pēnei a mātau ni. Kwa taipea tēnei te wā e paieki te tōma i te koroa nei ki konei i roto o rua tāhuna. Pai ki nga pākeke te whakarono mai i wā mātau kōrero whakamāra mātu ki a rātau. Nō reira ka whakae te ahurei ki a whakahokia mai te koroa nei atamarau ki roto o rua tāhuna i te rawa. Me te kōrero tunua noa te huna kāina o rua toki. Tēnā kona heri hari atu ki tā tātau mea nei kua roa tēnei ki a rātau ki a hua whakatā 
nga mea ulu ātou i te kārātou i, I ue rātou ki te whakahikoa i te mene. E harahoki he mea māma ki te, te, te whakatū. Pau katoa te kaha ulu ātoki, nga kaha ulu ātoki ki te, 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 whaka, te whakaoraura i te mene, i te whakatikatika i nga marae ki a pae i te noho o nga i tūhoe. Uh, ki te whakahaere hoki uh, i nga uh, hākina ki nga i nga whakataetae i nga hāk. E harahe mea māma, he taumaha tēnei kaupapa ki te, te, te whakahae. Uh, a nga hōtira, nga, nga rua toki tau te tautoke te whakauki āti te mene i ki roto rua tāhuna kia ki tea te koroua nei rei. A nō reira te tūna tūatahi o te ahurei uh, ki te wākaina nei te tau iwa te kaumātoru. Kātahi ka whakatikatika o te wākaina ki te whakatū a tāmira I te whakapaipai uetaho o nga marae Ko te ahua rereke hoki o nga marae o rua tāhuna He paku paku uetahi ka rea nūkia ki a rerehe wai I roto nga whare paku ue rā mea kato Ka mutu ka pōkia o rua tāhuna e te tanata Kātahi anō te pōkia hanahi o rua tāhuna Tata tanu o te ahurei, o te ahurei urei i katoa i te take, te take ne, te kaumā iwa nga kapahaka i tae mai te rawa, te kaumā waru, he kei hoki te kaumā waru tīmata rawa ke te, te ahurei. Ka rei pēra rawa te nui o te tanata o nga karapu haramai ki a tātou ahurei nō te rawa rawa. Ka rei i tino moho he hai pēra ai nga, nga kōrero mea pēra ko te kōhana o nga i tūhoe a he kōrero he whakaaro puta mai pēra te whakaaro i vieta hua tātou o me hoki ki te, te kāina, te tijirua i te ahua o te kāina Ano reira te tūna o te ahurei ki roto rua tāhuna Ka mutu me te aha te taina mai o, o nga i tūhoe ka karapi i viwia te, te maranai <laughs> Te kohu e te ahamai, nga tapu katoa o te kaina I tērā wā, o tā mātau te tiroi tērā wā Pai tonu te whakahoki mai ki rua tāhuna mō te kukutahi nei pea te wā Ka tōa tua i ki hea rā, ake nei ko whakahoki a tonu ki rua toke Hainari, nga nga tiro tiroa tonu anu tērā wā Ka kōrero nga koroua o tātau koroua o nga i tiuhoe e kao me noho anō te koroua nei ki konei a mō te tahi a tiono. Pau reira, pau te kāura tāhuna ki te whakatikati, pēra anō i nga mea ulu ātoki, i te wāi a rātau te koroua nei, i te whakatikati ka i nga hua tana katoa, e tūa i te rā, nā rā, e pae nga i te ahua o te kaupapa, te kaupapa whakawhanau nei a tātau, kai mōhana tātau ki rākei hukau te kaupapa o te ahure. He whakawhanau nei a tātau, i rano i te waigua matemateao ki a tātau nei. Ko te reo tērā, he mana wāka, rāua ko te toka tēmara, Hui, we're talking about the Tūhoi Ahure, the oldest iwi festival, slowly winding up at this very moment in Ruatuki. And for more information about the festival, check out our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Mariah Rakaraku, and you're listening to Te Ahika. 
on the surface, Māori and Chinese cultures may not seem to have very much in common. Yet there are shared historical experiences had at the hands of the New Zealand government that can't be denied. For Māori, there was the confiscation of Māori land and breaches to the Treaty of Waitangi. And for Chinese people, the many racist encounters they suffered due to New Zealand's then anti-Chinese laws. In 1881, the government introduced the Chinese Immigrants Act, which then led to a poll tax that only applied to Chinese immigrants, where a standard £10 was increased to £100. Which you can imagine was a huge amount of money for anyone to find, but was created especially to deter Chinese from entering Aotearoa. In 2002, then-Prime Minister Helen Clark apologised to the Chinese community for their hardships during this era of the poll tax. Obvious then, eh? That Māori and Chinese should find some common ground. You'd think so, Mariah, but it wasn't really the case for some of the couples who Manying Ip interviewed for her book, Being Chinese Māori, Mixed Identities. Why, Justine, did they find they had to confront prejudices from their own whānau? Of how they viewed each other? They did. Well, for some of them it was a bit like Romeo and Juliet, but such a beautiful uh, kaupapa that despite you know two different backgrounds and beliefs, love can shine through. Oh, As it did with Hori Thompson of Ngāti Kahununu and Soi Zhong Wang from Zhongxing in South China, who are just one of the couples featuring in the book. Wasn't it basketball of all things that brought them together, Justine, when they were just teenagers? It was, and basketball has continued to play a big part in their lives, and that of their firstborn son, Larry Thompson, who was born in 1958. Larry grew up in Masterton, attending Rathkill College, where he remained when his whānau shifted to the seaside community of Pitoni. Yes, Pitoni. Not as it's more commonly known today as Pitoni in Wellington. Where Hori and Soi ran the Madri Banks dairy that enabled them to afford the $4,000 a term in fees for the duration of Larry's education. Now, when you put this in context of the 1970s, that's a lot of money. Ekira, Justine, that's a lot of money now. Larry now works as a Te Reo Māori teacher in Christchurch where Justine visited him. Call Larry John Thompson, uh, toku ingoa, uh, no wider rapa hau, uh, i whānau au i uh, te ori ori, no Nati Kahununu uh, Kia Wairarapa, uh, me Nati Kahununu Kite Wairo, uh, Kite Taha o Toki Papa, uh, Kite Taha Toki Mama, uh, he Wahini Hainamana Ia, uh, no uh, Guangzhou, uh, me ki Nati Canton, uh, Kite Rataha Nira. What was it like growing up being Chinese Māori? Well, I, I wasn't really totally aware of being uh, different. It was just being in different places, I guess. Um, we'd go to with, with the Māori whānau, obviously, to play things, things like whakamoimati and, and all the huis and that that we would go to. But then we'd always make a point of going to visit my mother's family. Mm. Overseas? Well. No, no, just they lived in Wellington. Um, oh, okay. But they started in Masterton, and I remember going there at a young age, probably about eight or nine. And I suppose just being aware that they were a different ethnicity, just mainly through, well, the kai for a start, the food. <laughs> and then, and then, the, then the language, as I got older, yes. I realised they were speaking a different language. So, But uh, it, it worked well. You know, mum and dad kept us pretty balanced, eh? And, and my father is uh, Māori, 
Uh, his his father was from uh, Ngāti Kahununu ki te Wairoa, and uh, his mum was from Wairarapa, from that side. So that was really my two Māori sides. Um, there is uh, an Irish side to that, uh, hence our name Thompson. And my mother, her, her people were from China, and um, her father was from... Uh, he was born here, but originally they came from Canton. So we've got quite a mixed heritage, which has been good growing mm. up. And so let's talk world. about you being in, um, in Christchurch. How long have you been um, I've been living here with my family for the last four years. Uh, I've been working as a secondary school teacher, uh, teaching te reo Māori. That's how I got down here. Uh, previously I was working in uh, Rangitike at uh, Rangitike College in Martin. Mm. But in the last four years I've, I've been back down here, well, down here, first time I've lived here, but, but it's been very good, so I've enjoyed it. Do, you, do your students in your class know your background? Yes, I always yep. make a point of letting them know, you know, so that, that they realise that we've all come from certain iwi and, you know, you can't, you just don't have to be, have toto Māori to learn to speak Māori. Exactly. Right, so, because it belongs to the whole country. Because these are the mayor of Gisborne. Oi, oi. Ming Foon, I think, yeah, who is very... Yeah, he told me the oi, tika. So, you know, it's it's something that's given me a lot of pleasure and, and knowledge and... As a teacher, you want to try and do the same for your students. So, so if they feel comfortable about it, the one way for me to do that is to tell them where I am from. Awesome. And, and do you enjoy your mahi? Yes, I've enjoyed my mahi. Um, it's, it's helped me a lot. I mean, I, I wasn't uh, born a native speaker, but I grew up and, and went back and, and learnt how to speak Māori and, and sort of that led me into teaching and... And yeah, I know I've enjoyed it, and it's it's helped me immensely in my own life. And so, aside from your dad's heritage, what spurred you on to learn te reo? Was it in the household when you were um, young? My my grandparents were were native speakers, um, and I I didn't learn a lot when I was younger, but but it was all around. So I re, I remember going to a tangi, and when I was four. I have those sounds, memories of Wailing the sounds of the Te Aue and things like that. And, and so we always had uh, Māori events, and plus my my fathers have all been ministers in the Hahiratana, mm. so we were always around Te Reo in some way or form. And it wasn't till really my son uh, was born that I, I really made an effort to to find... Find out, Kawaiyo, nor here. How many kids in, in uh, Moko in the in the I've family? got uh, my son Joshua. He's uh, twenty-one now. Uh, my daughter Samaria. She's nineteen. So I've got, we've got two children. Is uh, my wife Robin? She's also a teacher, and she's actually Chinese. So so we've kept the the heritage, um, kept the the mix, so to speak. So. Mm. It's been pretty good though. We've we've, we've uh, grown up and been aware of all our our, our uh, links. Mm. Hey, so it's been it's been really good. What do you take with you from the different cultures? Well, even though they're different, they're actually very similar. I've, I've found as well in terms of uh, certainly in the Māori and the Chinese, the philosophies are, are very very similar in terms of. Uh, 
the solidarity, the, the family links. Uh, mm. Chinese are very family orientated as well, and and uh, and so I guess I've really been quite proud of both cultures, you know. And and mum and dad always made sure that we just didn't stay in, in any one. Eh? There was always, you know, going to each culture. Um, in the Chinese culture, we, we always go to the um, sports events. Uh, they have a, they have a yearly annual sports, and, and we played basketball, and, and I played soccer and things like that. So we got to meet people on both sides. Mm, fantastic. And I've, and I've got a brother and two younger sisters as well. So we all went through that pathway as well. Mm. And did you did you find that there was sibling support in terms of, you know, getting together with your brothers and sisters and celebrating the culture? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, my younger brother, he's actually spent a long time away. He went to America and played basketball on a scholarship, and he ended up staying there. So he's been there for twenty odd years. But certainly with my sisters, you know, we've shared a lot in terms of uh, te kanga Māori and and, and the Chinese culture as well, just just being in both arenas, really. Mm. I mean, we, we I don't speak much Chinese language, but uh, you know, I've certainly shared in a lot of the events. I've certainly in Wellington over the years. Oh yes. And my dad was one of the founding members of the the Wellington Chinese community. He really immersed himself in, in with the people, even though he wasn't Chinese. So. So he, Isn't he, that awesome? It was really good, yeah. Um, so we had good uh, role models in that way. So your mum and dad, your mum supported your dad in terms of te reo and vice versa. So yes. very much yeah. on. Yeah, no, my mum's, uh, for a Chinese woman, she knows quite a bit of Māori. Uh, she's she's fluent in her own language, although she never taught us. Mm. Uh, so, so mum's done a lot, yeah. really, and she understands the Māori uh, mindset, really, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's been good like that to have role models like that. What do you try to pass on to your children? Well, I've, I've tried to uh, uh, teach them the language. I mean, early on, I mean, I was sort of learning too. So, it's but they they they're quite fluent now. I think, like to think, uh, they went to Kohangadel. Went to a kura kaupapa for, awesome. a, for a couple of years, and, and I think that's where they really picked it up at Ratamapa. And uh, my daughter's carried it on through university, so she's she's quite versed in languages. That's one of her interests. Wow! So so they've they've been very good in supporting me in that too. So, but was there ever sort of like a cultural crisis with your tamariki? Yeah, well, my mm. son certainly he looks Chinese. You wouldn't mm. think. He, he, I think he fooled a lot of people, you know. Yeah. That, but he's he's really ahua Māori tonanako, tona ahua iroto, oroto. But um, I think my daughter's she looks more Māori, so she fits in for that. But having said that, she's got a lot of Chinese friends, so so you know we've, we've been able to cross over pretty well. Yeah. And, um, you know, being involved in sports, because that's really how our parents kept us busy, was through the sports. Mm. And do you attend the yearly um, ratana? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, sports functions there. Yeah, I spent a long time when I was younger going every year. Uh, lately, I haven't been as much, but but certainly that, that was 
imprinted in my mind mm. those early years of, of going back to the par and, and it's really been my um, my spiritual um, nourishment really yeah. over the years so I've learnt a lot there. I lived, lived not far from the par for a couple of years and learnt a lot from the people that lived there and, and, and it helped me immensely in my life and in my working life too and mm. teaching to the as well. Fantastic. And so we've talked about you growing up and obviously there's balance in terms of both cultures and your whanau. So was it hard being mixed race when you grew up? I didn't really notice it. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been a pretty um, peaceful person anyway. I guess that's, that's a credit to my parents and, you know, they were very open people. So, you know, they had no prejudice about any kind of thing. And, and I certainly I felt it maybe in some small way but but really it hasn't hasn't worked against me at all. You know, I'm quite proud of the fact that I have so many strings to to who I am. Mm. Uh, and especially in a multicultural society that we've got now in, in New Zealand. So exactly. that, that helps and you know my education helped me cope with um Te Ao Pākehā. So so that, that that was a big thing which I know Many of our own Māori people have struggled with with that that area. Yeah. Um, but you know that goes back to our grandfather too. He 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 was of a mind that if you want to get ahead in the world, uh, you would have to you know come up to the standards. Exactly. That, that was set for us as as Māori in a Pākehā world. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and all cultures have to to deal with that really. So. So yeah, no, it's been been okay. I, I didn't really feel any prejudice, or, or certainly not overt racism. Yeah, no, it's been okay. Did um did you identify with one side more than the other, and why? Well, obviously, my own fakaro that having lived lived a bit now is because we are in Aotearoa and and New Zealand. Um, I guess Maori and English took precedence. You know, looking back, I wish I had learnt more Chinese. But you know, as is the culture with when girls marry out, uh, that was it. They became part of that family rather than their own. And I guess Mum didn't really have anyone to talk to, really, mm. in, the, in that real. That's probably the only thing that stopped. True, really. yeah. Uh, you know, but there was Te Reo Māori was all around us, so you know, Mum sort of latched onto that. So how did your mum? Well, she's probably. Like a native speaker, but did she? Yeah, it must have been hard for her not to speak her language. Um, yeah, well, she kept in touch with her family, and she mm. came from a family of, I think it was seven or eight kids in there. So it's by um, any family standards, it was a big family, and they've all kept in touch over the years. Mm. So it's uh, it's something that I've just had to cope with, really. But, you know, my wife's thing, talking about going to China, you know, and that's oh, something yes. I'd like to do. Because yep. I, know, I know the village. My mum's sister's been back to the village. Uh, I think my uncle's just been there recently too. So so they've, they've been on that journey to mm. s- seek out their papakainga, uh, so to speak. So that's something there for all of us. Have your kids ever spoken about going to China? Uh, or have they been to China? No, no, none of us have been to China. I've been to America, my kids, but uh, certainly not China. But that's something I've been thinking about since my wife's been talking about it because she has roots there too, obviously. Mm. 
What was your reaction from the book being Chinese Māori? I thought that was really good. Yeah. You know. Uh, there's a cute photo of you there. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> you know, that is just quite, quite moving actually to think, uh, you know, that it could be such a topical thing really. Uh, and, and that's something I've just grown up normally with being Māori Chinese. Or chowries. As, uh, Chow- uh, was it? Chowries. Chowries. <laughs> My grandfather used to say, oh, okay. in a joking kind of way, yeah. But you know, it's it's just been normal, really. And I guess, I mean, I've as I grew up, I realised that I was part park hour as well because there's an Irish yeah. connection. So you know that that helped me overcome any kind of prejudice that mm. I thought I might have. Or... And I love that photo of your mum and dad in the ratana. Oh yeah, that's, that's that's awesome. That's something my my father's dedicated his life to, and 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 his father before him, and then his fa- his grandfather too. So it's a, it's a, a tradition that's been handed down to us, mm. and um, my mother took to that as well. So you know, see, so she's been uh, many years going to a lot of the hui's. Yeah. And becoming involved in the in the work of the hahi and, and helping lots of people. So you know, I'm quite proud of the fact that they've worked so hard for that. Yes. Yeah. Do you um, at all go back to to marae, um now nowadays? Oh well, when I go back to mostly is right in the park. It's, it's it's obviously like I said, it's a spiritual centre. Um, it's helped me immensely in my own work as a teacher. Um, I received my tohu mātauranga from there. And um, the kaumātuas that lived there taught me, you know, things that, that I'll be eternally grateful for. So, but um, I have, I've been back to our whānau marais, you know, sporadically over the yes, years. Yeah. You know, yeah. kawamati and, and mm. you know, things like that. And so, so I do get back to... to my roots some of the time, but since in the last few years I've been travelling around, so you know, I've visited a couple of marais down here, so, but you know, you know, as being Māori, you can't avoid it really, eh? At exactly. some point, <laughs> yeah. you're going to end up on some marae somewhere. Do you so celebrate yes. the Chinese New Year as well as Matariki? <coughs> like just within your whānau or...? Well, we're aware of it, Yeah. Eh? all of those things. Uh, Chinese New Year's is a bit harder because it's like you can't put it down to a date. It's a certain time, isn't it? So, oh, yeah. And, and I guess Matariki is the same, depending yeah. on where the stars are. And, and, you know, so, I mean, we've become aware of things. But like most things in New Zealand, you know, we, we're attuned to the, you know, what was the Western calendar, I suppose. Mm. Uh, but, mm. but certainly as over the years we've learnt, to become, you know, culturally aware and more diverse in mm. what we celebrate. Yes. So you got the best of both worlds. Do I, you I think so. I like to think so. You know, and having grown up later on, learning learning uh, Te Reo Māori, and really finding out the depth of what that meant, mm. uh, it's actually helped me a lot because I had a pretty good education in terms of going to a, a boarding school and and learning to speak English, you know, and, and learning about Pākehā culture. Mm. So, so I think I have. Kia ora, Larry Thompson. And don't forget to visit our website. You'll have time, I'm sure. It's a long weekend. At radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahikā, I'm Maraia Rakraku. And I'm Justin Murray, and this is Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National.
Sometimes it seems all we hear about is our differences and the conflict created by them. Yet there was a time, and I'm betting you could still find it in some rural backwaters, Mariah, a time when Māori and Pākehā were so dependent on each other, those differences almost become irrelevant. Last year I met with Sue Eddington and her two cousins, siblings Pauline and Maku Davis, who have very fond memories of such a time. When communities pulled together and were united more by poverty and hardship than anything else. In the local hall, which has undertaken a makeover and reinvented itself as Waihole Pa, was the centre of all community activity like dances and celebrations. And the names of the roads more or less said exactly what they were, like Māori Road. That's a road where the Māori families lived on one side and the Pākehā whānau on the other. And in here we had... Um family known as the Wellwoods and they were one of the farming families down here that um, supported the Māori people and employed them and helped building of the hall and that was their original old homestead. So when the people were settled down here and they were given 16 acres each was a hall constructed to kind of create a, a centre point for... The hall was only constructed in, I think it was about, oh, just, it was prior to the war, because as the guys all went, was the men all went off to war, they were farewelled from the hall, and it was, um, everyone was very pleased that they had the hall finished in time and were able to use it for such a monumentous Occasion. reason, yeah. So from the sea, where we're now on what's called that Maori Road. Okay. And from the sea, there was another family here. Now these these trees that you see here, that's actually where my toa lived. The wee house up at the back was the original homestead Aww. that she would have lived in as a child with her um, mum. And then when she married, and behind the trees there, her husband constructed. Um, it was actually rather large for the time. It was a quite four-bedroomed home, but I guess there were eight children. And in these trees here, there was another old homestead that belonged to the Heath family, but that burnt down in my childhood. I think that one burnt. So, what was your um, your towa's your the name of your towa? She was Mini. She was Mini Pikey. And this all along here is farmed by. Um, we, we know them as the Hughes brothers and their father found the farm and it was their father's records that they found and they were able to tell me that my toa had picked spuds for them for 37 consecutive years during which time she had the, the children and ran the 16 acres herself because granddad had to go away and share for sharing gangs for employment they, there just wasn't a way to earn a living off the, off the land and I remember here, on this side of the trees, there was an old house that was very distinctive because it was up on stilts. And apparently that was because of the flooding that did happen. Wow! Mm. But it's, it's long gone. There's another wee one still remains oh, here. Yeah. yeah, I can see that there. I think from memory that might be where they say Auntie Bessie lived. And then the only other ones still remaining are just up the side of the hall. The one at the back, when I was a child, 
um, Sue and Taft Selwyn lived in there. And the front one here is where Mary and Harry Davis lived. And it's their son and daughter, Pauline and Maku, that you're about to meet to hear some more oh, about the right. history of the place. So this is it here, we're now, now coming we're going to... up this further down there. We're going to go up past the cabbage trees, we're going to whiz in there. So this is Waihau Centennial Memorial Hall. And that's what it was called in the days when they constructed it. Uh, kia ora, my name's Pauline Reid. I was born and raised down here. Lived just a couple of hundred yards across the, from the where we're standing at the moment. I was raised along with my three brothers and we were the last family, Mary family to leave the road. But I was 18 when we left. This has always been home to me, this um, place. The place that we're standing in at the moment is the hall. It is actually a hall. Um, it was built by the community, for the community, as a remembrance to our men who fought in the wars. And on our back wall, you'll see the photos of all who have served. Did they come back? Uh, some did, some didn't. So they're the, they're the ones who served in the First and the Second World War? First and Second World War, yes. These are the, the Māori men who served... They, no, the, it's actually the men from the community. It's not just the Māori men. If we go down there, we can see who's actually up here. Um, and, of course, all around the wall, we have family photos of those who whakapapa back to the marae. Um, in the middle one, you'll see that it's the 1914-18 war. The men who actually didn't come back from the war are in the middle frame. The men either side of them are the ones that returned home. On the, my left, your left, we have a mixture of uh, Pākehā and Māori men. We have the Heaths, the Peniamanes, the Thomases, the Lairds, the Lundies, who lived just across the road from here, and the Lambies, who lived up the back. On the other side, we have the same, but we have the Forsyths, the Selwyns, the Fitzharrises, who lived down the road. Um, Uncle, the Selwyns, Uncle Taff lived just across 100 yards from the Marae here. There was him and his brother. Again, there was the Peniamis, there was Timorous that lived up the back. My father, who was always also amongst them. They that's all went, H. Davis. That's, yeah, Henari Davis. Davis. They all lived in the area and that's why it was built, in remembrance of them. As I said, the ones in the middle, Uncle Tommy Tafowers, um, Mick Crow, my great-uncle, Harry Jacobs, they never returned. So you would have grown up with, um, I mean, the surnames here, you would, have, you would have grown up with these people's descendants. Yes, I grew up with all of those, most of those gentlemen, I knew them all that are on that side. When we were young, they were still still lived down around the, the district. The ones on this side were the same. Um, Uncle Davy Thomas is still alive. Uh, unfortunately, most of the other ones aren't. Mm. They've all passed on. But yes, I grew up with all of them, knowing all of them, just not the ones in the middle. 
So is, is the T Pene Amine and the W Pene Amine, are they brothers? They were brothers. Yep. Right, so they're descendants of the people who originally came down here from the hills? They were descendants of them along with my my family and yeah. basically we're all related. Um, somewhere down the line we're related to each other. It's just the way it is. We all got put <laughs> together. As you see on this wall we have the the Heath family. Um, you know, Uncle Paul over here and his Uncle Winsome and Auntie Amy. Um, the older brothers and sisters on that one and their parents are on that. That was Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe's handsome. Oh, we're, we're a, a handsome brew. <laughs> we're all a handsome brew down here. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> um, so <laughs> at each part we've got, you know, a memorial wall to, to our departed. Um, that's You'll see over here, this is Mana Suzanne's. You'll talk to her later. That's her grandmother over there, Auntie Minnie. Oh, that's her tower. That's her tower. Yeah. So that's the wall. And, because we moved down and keep going down. And on this wall is um, my family. It's my late brother up there, Kelly, the one that died last year. He's up on the wall. That's Tower Flake. She married a tower from... Tuahiwi, um, but she was my dad's first cousin, and that's my grandmother. She was Tamahauru, and she was the great granddaughter, the granddaughter of um, Tamahauru that Te went, yeah, of Tamahauru. And that's my granddad in the middle, um, Henare Tamari. Um, and this is Dudham Benson. This is the Peniamni wall here. And these two, um, yeah, they were actually cross-stitch done by an elderly relative when we came back to, to the Marae to, to get it up and running again 23, 24 years ago. Um, Auntie Rangi was in a home, and this is what she did, and she gave it to the Marae. So are they whanau? She is a distant relative of... No, but are they whānau, those... Um... Um, no, it was just something that she... Oh, well, I don't know. She never actually told us who they were. She just did them and she presented them to Marae. It was the way she kept busy. Um, she suffered from se severe arthritis and she managed to do the cross-stitch. And over on this wall, we have the... What, before we had the treaty signed, this was what the apology from Naita, who was... Apology from the Crown from the tonight, Crown. The yeah. uh, which was part of the settlement. Yep. Yeah. We did have another one, but it's been taken down, but I don't know where it's got to. This hall, that we, as it is, on the back of it, it was just this hall, and along the back, where we now have the... Mattresses. Mattresses, used to be the whanapakus. We never had a kitchen, we just had this and the whanapakus along the back. Then they went... And this piece next door to us, the supper room, got added on after a number of years. And then the kitchen got put on, and then the new whanapakis got put in. Up until that point, we had long drops that side. So how long has it been that the photos have been hanging in here for? How long the photos have been hanging here? Um, 
basically over the last 20 years we've put these photos, they've been put up, haven't they? They weren't here originally, in the original, when it was originally built, we had no photos on these walls. They've just come there over the past 20 years when we got the place up and running again. Because the place did go into um, a non-working mode, I guess you could say it. <laughs> we, a lot of years, when we moved from the road, the hall wasn't used until we came back and got it up and running again. As I said, that was about 24 years ago. And I actually came back here 22 years ago to get married. It was one of the first functions held back here once the... Oh, you got married here. Yes, I got married here. Oh, so was your wedding... F- oh. No, my wedding photo's hey, not here. you got married here. <laughs> so, yes, we did. Oh. We got married right outside that door. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Kia ora, this is Sue from Waihau. I'm with Mariah and we're doing an interview of the Waihau Mariah. We're just passing from the main hall into the new addition that was built on a number of years back as a supper room. Beautiful carving here that was brought down by one of the um, intermediate schools in Christchurch, came and stayed down, our dear aunt Echo, her granddaughter was involved at the school in the time and they wanted to come down and have a few nights stay here and they brought this beautiful piece down that the children had made and gifted it to us, and it has since travelled, I think, over to London, was it? Mm. It was going to some art exhibition over there, and they borrowed their piece back, and it went over and came back again. And that, was, that looks like it's depicting a tuna. Mm. And... Oh, the Awa, perhaps? I'm just not sure. Look. And here we have a live tuna. Mm. Called Elvis. Called Elvis. <gasps> I need to go meet Elvis. He was owned by one of some, um, one of Kelly's <gasps> daughter, are. wasn't it? And when she outgrew her her need to own the eel, we were asked if the Mariah would house him. So <laughs> I love it. we now own a little eel in the in the tank there, which the children were all very fond of feeding and keeping track of. That's a beautiful piece of ponamu there. Well, my understanding is that a particular centime- a particular rock that was a boulder that was of sentimental value, um, was retrieved back from having gone on an unknown journey, and what was left of it was cut into 18 pieces for each of the marae through the Te Waponamu. This piano played a lot of music. We used to have a pian- my father on the piano, or Auntie Sis, and we had... Uncle Ha and whoever else could find a guitar on the guitars. And that was our entertainment. We didn't need a band, we had our own. But yes, my father was extremely good on it. And he was one of the first ones to play it. They used to hold a dance every Friday night in the district. And every second Friday night it was always held here at the Marae. And my father was the pianist for it. Oh, fantastic. So, Did you come to some of those dances? Oh, you bet. Because <laughs> my, myself and my two elder brothers used to have to do some singing. Can't sing anymore. <laughs> Back then I could. Just say yes. We were here. Now what we're looking at here is um, there's some taonga. Hi. Up, up on top there, we, you can see that that's uh, fossilised whale That's... This one here is part of the, um, what they call the... The ribcage. Ribcage. But the, the bit that the ribcage joins onto, mm. like, like that bit, like that. Yeah. 
and that, that's that's also part of it as well. Although they were they was brought here and and left here for for the marae, and as you can see, there's all this uh, tonga. Some putty putty, some kohatsu. Kohatsu and all. And, uh, the, uh, now with these, and the poi, I've Aye. seen a couple of these poi since I've been going around the marae here in Te Waipaunamu. Aye. Now what is that? Is that raupo? It's raupo, yeah. Yeah, it's all raupo and, um, and the headpiece. How was raupo poi constructed then? The raupo poi was constructed by actually beating the... F- the raupo flat and letting it dry before you and it actually comes up like sort of like paper yeah but very strong paper and it's just a case of I don't know what's inside that one but I know what's inside the ones I made (laughs) what's inside the ones you made (laughs) toilet paper (laughs) Um, but they could be filled with with um they could actually all be made of out of raupo a lot of them were just made out of the raupo rolled into a ball and the string was tied around it, and then the it was like folding it going over the top of each other. It's actually very, it looks difficult, but it's very easy to do. And as kids, it was one of the things I did learn way back then. And the tassels off it is just by stringing them, the raupo. Oh, so like doing a muka, yeah. like yeah. they... Yeah, the and then, then how do you plait the... The string because you do that when it's when it's soft and pliable you actually wet it keep softening it keep it soft while you're working with it and then you let it dry so how heavy are they or they're quite light they're actually quite light they're you know the, the proper weight for a boy they're actually really good but yeah like i said i know what's inside mine because i made <laughs> <laughs> made them i got lazy i just put toilet paper in it it was easier <laughs> to work with um my mother actually made used two tennis balls for, for one set that I've got and she just covered it with the, the rail port because it was really easy just to string the, everything through the tennis ball and a tennis ball is a very good weight for a poi, believe it or not. So you didn't have to add anything to it but yes, that was something my mother taught me. But I don't know who made those ones but I know mine are, we made them ourselves. Now we're also standing underneath what looks like a... Um, the Runaka Golf Challenge Y Hole Trophy. Yeah, that's correct. That's a um, golf tournament that we run each November. I think, well, obviously, I think we're entering into our fourth one. Yeah, yeah. And Y Hole have been fortunate to win the trophy three times. Three times. Gee, must be guns. Is that you, eh? I'm going to try and win it again this year, too. And this jar here, this is an example of what. We're now being approached by people that want to use images of rock art on mm-hmm. on various forms. These people were from Nelson and they wrote to us, which was most people tend to contact the Rock Art Trust and then the Rock Art Trust will refer them back to whichever Marat concerns. And at the time they had visions of making plates and ashtrays and things. But when we explained that, no, we don't like the Tonga on things like that, they said, well, they would do, would it be okay to do a vase? And we suggest that was fine. And they very kindly drove down and hand presented us with a version of their of their vase that they do. And the other one is from the Waimati District Council, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's the And greeting and friendship from the Waimati District Council.
Oh, this particular, that happens to be my mum. She was presented that with, um, for her volunteer service and commitment to the aims and, effective, and objectives of the Wahine Atahua Kopapa. She spent many a year, right up until her early 70s. She was still in a car driving around the streets in Timaru every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night. Um, and she would rescue any children that she felt needed rescuing and take them home, or if she found them too drunk and intoxicated, she would look after them and get them off the street and keep them out of trouble. Oh, and that yeah. Suzanne's mother was also a great supporter of whāngai children. She did her best to find people who would whāngai, these you know, and kids that were not quite so well. Yeah. Yeah. Your mother set up the Matua Whangai down here. Yeah, yeah she so did. She was insistent that they be returned to Māori families to be raised, and so this Matua Whangai was set up. And then she had a very persuasive way to my mother, and I happened to live in a two storied house which she thought was big enough to hold more than my four children. And over the years, I got to foster a number of children through her Matua Whangai. Um, body and now I have those same foster children still coming home, they're now married with children and occasionally we get a phone call and say you know I'm in the trouble I'm in trouble or I'm being evicted or I can't pay the rent or whatever and so I now have these children that we fostered coming back with their children and sometimes we have like another whole family living in the house until they get themselves sorted and, and move off so that was the legacy that I could say was forced upon me by my mother I only intended to have four children and over the years I think I've had about 20 but I guess it's shaped me too. And just follow on to that, um, Kelly also got coerced by yes. her mother. Yes. Um, that's your older brother that's my who passed away last yes, year? Yes, the brother that passed away last year. And over the years he found out a lot of children and they again return. Um, she did try to con me once. <laughs> <laughs> But as a sole parent raising two children at the time, I wasn't prepared to do anything more than just that. So, no, I got lucky, I think. But I think the children that did get got real lucky were the ones that did actually go to Suzanne and Kelly because they were terrific whangai parents. Maku and Pauline Davis and Sue Eddington nor Katsi Huirapa. Aneira a Larry Thompson, who you heard earlier in the programme, or this week's Whakatauki. What's really important is, is recognising uh, te taha wairua, uh, te tuatahi. You know, I guess one of the, the one things I've learned over the, the first comes out in Kotiamorangi uh, Kimua, Kotihapai or Kimuri. That's something I've, I've, I've really learnt to see how that operates over the years and. and Terms of keeping our keeping ourselves grounded both spiritually and and physically, and and that's something uh, my grandfather reiterated about how he used to say, if you uh, stand on one leg too long, you fall over. So you know, I think that that balance has to be recognised, and it's something I've tried to apply to my life uh, over the years. And uh, but you know I've, I've sort of managed to understand how important those things are, you know, through the work of my father and 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 a lot of things. So so I guess that's probably the main thing of Fakatoki that I've really come to recognise. Kia ora, Larry Thompson.
Round about now, Justine, the whānau and Ruatoki are getting ready to party. The announcements of all the winners should just be happening or could even be over. Inga iwi, kua taiano ki te wā mutunga a te Another show, another week. Wherever you are, take it easy over Easter, eh? Be careful on those roads. He mihia nō tēnei ki ngā kaiwhakamahia i ngā tapu-tapu, rātou ko te whānau Thompson, te whānau Eddington, te whānau Davis hoki. Hoki mai a tērā wiki. Mauri ora.